Welcome to the Retail Media Moguls podcast brought to you by Platform 195. We share trends and strategies across retail media to help you accelerate your brand growth. I'm your host, Stuart Adamson. Welcome to the Retail Media Moguls podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Adamson, CEO of Platform 195. I'm delighted today to be joined by my friend, colleague and business partner, Anthony Bridges, who is head of platforms, effectively the chief technology officer at Platform 195, responsible for all of our retail media integrations and technology. Prior to that, Anthony was at Thomas Cook, where he helped build out all of the technology that scaled Thomas Cook's retail media business to over 100 million US dollars. And before that at Accenture, and before that, I'm sure he's going to tell us where he was. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for the introduction. So I think that's always a great place to start. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? career journey? Yeah, so I've had a career in technology and having joined Thomas Cook as a major retailer was a very interesting thing for my first foray into media. You know, I I really didn't understand, you know, the media world in terms of how major retailers were capturing budgets from their supplier base. And this was 2015, so way before the retail media sort of became a thing. And, you know, I obviously worked alongside yourself within Thomas Cook and built out what would now be called that retail media model. Um, and we had a, a great time doing that and we're very successful doing it. I had many challenges along the way and had to navigate, you know, some difficult internal and external pressures. But here we are now kind of offering our both our experience and the technology we built to solve those problems within or those challenges within retail media um, to retailers. And so it's, you know, it's been a great journey up until now. Well, tell us about that technology evolution then, because obviously coming in 2015, at that point, we had an audience product away from the site as well as the on-site, but largely we were mashing a lot of tech together. Tell me about that evolution and what you're seeing now at Platform 195 and what our clients are doing. One of the most difficult thing, decisions retailers have is selecting the right technology, you know, and there's lots of different categories of technology. There's loads of businesses selling retail media tech, but there's different kind of use cases that they're solving. So it's very challenging for retailers to decide what they actually need. You know, you've got CRM tech for order management, inventory management, campaign management. You've got self-service portals, ad tech for all of your on-site ad serving and audience extension and data platforms. So you've got a lot of decisions to make and trying to navigate how best you build a retail media offering. And from experience and from history, it, it just takes time to do. And often you know, the technology doesn't necessarily solve all of your problems. So you have to kind of work through, you know, where best you build and where best you invest because investment's a key decision maker as well for for retailers. Yeah, so our background at Thomas Cook, you know, we've gone from 2015, I think it's fair to say, you know, we were one of the first to input a trade desk. So effectively what is now you'd call audience extension, you know, we were doing that in 2015 with with Turn as a DMP and DSP. And then we were monetizing the Thomas Cook digital platforms or owned media with double click for publishers. Our North Star was always, you know, truly integrated buy and sell side stack, obviously powered by that data. And we were able to do that a few years later with actually in partnership with Google. You know, we effectively hacked the double click platform to do both buying on our own sites as well as externally so really we managed to build sort of in i think 2017 2018 an integrated buy and sell side stack delivering you know 5000 supplier campaigns mm-hmm. per year 
which is a real achievement. But then that, it's not just from a technology standpoint, it's not just the ad tech that you need. You know, you need a portals, you need CRM, you need data management platforms, all these kind of stuff. So there's lots of technology to build, lots to buy, you can buy. What we do now as Platform 105 is we have our own proprietary platform, which is Uplift Ads, which we integrate to really solve those use cases. You know, we've been there and done it. So we try and solve those use cases as well as, you know, working with, you know, leading tech platforms, which are designed for retail media. Tell us a bit about our platforms called Uplift Ads and Hub. Tell us a little bit about that now and how you've managed to therefore take what you've learned at Thomas Cook and what are we building? You know, I think our listeners would be keen to see given our experience in scaling this within a major retailer. Effectively, you know, Thomas Cook blowing up when it did as a business in around 2019 gave us this interesting position of having all of this tech stack that we'd built and then kind of getting that taken away from us. But the experience and the knowledge in knowing, okay, now we're going to start again, you know, how best do we build this? You know, knowing how to scale a retail media organization and knowing the different supplier types you have, be that your key strategic suppliers or your long tail of suppliers, you know, they have different service models around those. We were starting from this bank page, really, but we had that experience and knowledge to know what to build and how to build it. You know, how do we best monetize e-commerce sites? What are the challenges that we're going to come up with? What do we need to make sure our technology does? You know, for example, we have Uplift Ads, which is our ad server. Number one, that has to load rapidly that do not impact that customer experience, you know? So we've built a server-side ad server to do that. Number two is around how can we make sure we activate audience extension seamlessly, you know, connecting into the leading paid media channels such as DSPs and, you know, social advertising platforms. Mm. So rebuilding those integrations. And then it's around the whole servicing. So inventory management's a huge challenge for retailers, campaign management, automated screenshots, you know, reporting, all of those pain, pain, pain points that you have as you scale, we build to solve those problems, which we had experienced. So we knew kind of where to start with. Uplift as a platform, we adapt to, to just meet our clients' requirements around, you know, how they service their retail media. Yeah, I think what we look to do is how do they do sort of three things? One is drive incremental and bigger deals from the bigger suppliers, the ones that come to them every year with decent sized budgets. How do they actually grow those? through effectiveness, creative solutions, datafied media solutions, automating activity so it's optimized and strong. And then the second piece being that whole long tail of suppliers with small budgets, you know, how do we help them scale all of that? So, you know, automating everything you just talked about. And then thirdly is campaign management efficiency. So creating that ability for campaign managers to have a platform that they're able to go on and capture all that stuff, wasn't it? So and I think we've done that. You know, it's really strong. We're now seeing several, many, many retailers. And actually, it's great seeing that platform evolve a bit. Um, but in that evolution, then what's next? Obviously, we're at the forefront of it. But, you know, where do you see things evolving for these guys? There tends to be a typical journey that retailers take in so much that they start to look at how they can monetize their owned media first. You know, what types of solutions can we have on our sites? You know, things like sponsored products, display ads, video ads. There's lots of tech built around that to do that at scale and increasingly around sort of when they realize that when they start monetizing their long tail of suppliers that they don't have enough inventory on their own platforms. It's actually, you know, with the audiences that we've got and with the data that we've got, how can we run effective campaigns for all of our suppliers? You know, and that's where retail media is heading. But obviously it faces this huge issue around sort of cookies and, you know, privacy. 
So there's lots of people trying to solve that, you know, that challenge. In terms of retail media, you hear a lot about, you know, the use cases for data clean rooms and, you know, new channels that audiences can be activated in, be it, you know, connected TV or programmatic out of home. You know, so you will start to see more and more, you know, retail media or retailers data being activated, I think, for supplier campaigns into those environments. And of course, you know, the whale is, is Amazon, you know, so whatever they're building from a, an ad tech point of view as AWS, as well as their own Amazon media solutions, you know, the market tends to follow. So, you know, building their own DSP and being able to activate audiences there and building new ad solutions, you know, that it's always a good kind of, you know, benchmark to, to, to sort of look and see what they're doing. And actually, I mean, obviously, there's a, are we seeing the retail media organizations driving this bit now within a retailer? in terms of data clean rooms and, you know, need the need because there's obviously a revenue challenge if they don't? Or is it still a case that they're piggybacking on what the sort of main brand is doing, what the marketing teams or their agencies are doing? Definitely varies, I would say. You know, some of the leading retailers, you know, the big guys in the US, for example, you know, they've really got very far advanced in terms of building out their media organizations and are able to make strategic investments as a media organization, mm. you know, be it into data clean rooms or, you know, other sort of measurement technology or whatever. Whereas, you know, a retailer just starting out on this journey, you know, these types of tech platforms are incredibly expensive. And, you know, utilization and manage, uh, minimum spends and all these kind of things can be huge blockers for somebody wanting sort of proof of concept, really, if they can launch retail media type offerings for their suppliers. So they definitely need to leverage, you know, the wider business is doing, you know, using sort of ad tech, which is already procured or looking at the development of that existing technology that the business might have to see, well, actually, what can I do with that? You know, can I run audience extension with the technology? Or, you know, can I, how can I best monetize my site? You know, are we using it? Do I need an ad? These types of questions. I think that's quite an interesting thing around that is how actually a retail media organization can, it was where the tail wags the dog really in, in innovation, because certainly, you know, there's opportunity there to go and get external cash from a supplier in order to then try things, buy things, do new things. Um, the marketing budget may not necessarily have in there from an innovation point of view. I mean, I certainly remember when we were in Thomas Cook, we wanted to put screens in store, if you remember. And because the stores, I think the legacy screens were quite, they were about to disappear and, you know, they were falling apart. And actually we went to a supplier and pitched that we were putting a whole network of screens in. I think we put 200 screens in, but actually we were putting cameras on them that would scan people's faces and tell us, you know, how long they were watching content for, whether they're male or female and how old they were. And the supplier was like, wow, that's amazing. Yes. Signed off the budgets to sort of sponsor being on those screens. Meanwhile, we hadn't even done the got the agreement internally to actually put those screens in. But the minute we had the budget to do it, then the the business was like, "Wow, brilliant! We've got two hundred new screens, and they've got this new technology." And you know, we gave up sort of half the space for them, and we've sold half the space to the suppliers as well as the one that we sold it to. And actually, you know, it was a great way of actually funding with profit, profitably funding, you know, a lot of that innovation around retail media within a business. And so, I wouldn't be surprised myself seeing whether a lot of those retail media organizations within those retailers do start funding some of this stuff because it's unknown. And actually, even if it it does become legacy in a year because something else comes along, then actually you haven't spent any money because actually ultimately a supplier's funded it. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Do you see this being a legacy moment? Is it worth waiting a year and seeing the big players might come out with or is it time to dive in? 
Um, well, it's a really good question. You know, this industry of retail media is evolving rapidly, as well as said around the whole, you know, challenges that businesses face around monetizing their audiences and their data. You need a plan. Okay. You need to understand your audiences. You need to understand how much data you have. You need to understand the future proof position you need to take to ensure you can still monetize your media assets and your audiences. And then you need to start looking around kind of what are the enablers to be able to activate against those audiences, you know, and what solves, what can activate against those audiences now might not be what you need in, in 12 months time. So I think the planning is, is certainly key in terms of making investments. You know, as I said, you know, things like clean rooms are expensive technologies with a very high you know, threshold for skills in terms of being able to actually use them properly and activate them, mo therefore monetize them. It's hard. And these things are evolving. And every week, there's a new kind of data clean room come to market, either from a, you know, an Amazon or a, a Google type solution, or, you know, independent businesses. So it's really hard. Um, but but you, you need to look for opportunities where you can proof of concept these things now and mm. plan these things now knowing yeah. where you know where the industry's heading in over the next sort of 12 months what about from a brand actually i'll come back to the brand point of view let's talk about channel mix and things like that connected tv and things like that are we seeing a change in the channel mix that ex audience extension is creating is there a shift towards that or is it still a lot of it on site what's the spend shifting i think you know one of the key things for retailers is how can they drive bigger budgets from their supplier base and now that retail media is so well established, the advertisers themselves and the brands themselves are thinking, well, actually, how can I do more upper funnel activity with this retail data that we've got available? As mm. data becomes more, you know, scarce, actually, the retailers do have that data. And therefore, let's look at mid and upper funnel type activations that we can do, mm. as opposed to just buying sponsored product listings where you're effectively compete. There's limited inventory and you're competing with all that long tail. You know, yeah. and you might organically already have a great position on that retail site because you're their best selling product. So it yeah. might not make sense for you to pay just to be one position higher. So, you know, what we're seeing is the retailers sort of recognize that and all chasing after evolving to get bigger budgets by activating, um, you know, connected TV campaigns or on video on demand platforms like the leading ones in the UK. Um, in like digital signage in store and programmatic at home, all of these types of solutions are you're seeing more and more with those kind of bigger budgets. You know, there's a cost to those because you're buying media in certain cases, but that data is so valuable. You know, that's the way in which a lot of retailers see the kind of evolution of growing budgets, as well as obviously there's other services that retailers can provide. You know, making sure the content that they're pushing out there with an advertiser. It, fits for that brand you know the retailer knows how to sell products within their environment and the advertiser knows you know their brand so you know there's the whole opportunity around creative services and insight you know there's so much intelligence that retailers have on their website from their yeah. database that is so hugely val valuable you know that insight opportunity research opportunity for advertisers is huge and retailers yeah. have that data so it's a case of how best can we provide services as a retailer to our brands and suppliers and advertisers, you know, around insight. I mean, actually, that leads nicely back into that brand question is, you know, are these brands getting the visibility that they need or want? Or is it still a little bit, I'm a buyer and I'm going to flash you what sort of product sales we've done, a bit opaque about the results of this campaign? What's happening in there, given there's all this sort of technology revolution? Yeah, huge technology revolution. You know, the IAB are kind of trying to create standardization around, around meter media and measurement, you know, that whole kind of clamor for 
standardized measurement is something which you'll start to see as there's so many now retail media networks popping up. And I think historic, I think it's a legacy thing around sort of supplier funding. You know, it was kind of suppliers giving money to their retailers, but never really getting much in terms of reporting and media metrics. But now, of course, because those budgets are growing and the media solutions are more digital, more effective, there's that requirement to actually provide that back to advertisers. But also, you know, it shouldn't be seen as a burden on retailers. It should be seen as this is a huge opportunity for us to show how effective our retail platform is and our retail media network is and to just grow those budgets. So that should be kind of, you know, one of your key pillars is around how you provide measurement to your partners Mm. and how you can kind of back yourself to show that it's effective because that is going to be your growth opportunity. Yeah, very interesting. So let's talk about the travel industry for a bit because obviously we do work across the whole of retail, but we have a huge specialism in travel. We're Uplift Ads is now integrated or being integrated into five of the top 10 OTAs and tour operators in the UK, similarly in Europe across the pan-regional European tour operators and OTAs. How are you finding, what are the sort of nuances between travel and retail? I mean, that's quite a broad question, but what's exciting about the travel bit or what's different? There's lots of similarities, you know, in around the types of media solutions and how you monetize your data and your media platforms. But there's also differences, you know, the travel industry, as we know, as buyers of holidays and bookers of hotels, your behavior is very different to how you would interact with a supermarket website, for example, where you will buy a basket of products and you'll visit that site every week and you might tweet certain things. So there's there's quite a big opportunity for cross-sell and things like that. Whereas when you visit a travel site, you know, your customer journey is potentially visiting many travel sites to do comparisons kind of at final stage as well as to become inspired to where do you want to go as in terms of destinations so you kind of have to kind of choose where you're going to go and then you're trying to choose which hotel you're going to buy and then kind of what star rating and you know what price you're willing to pay so there's lo- that research phase is very long as we all know you know and, and trying to work out what we want so from a kind of translating that back to how you can best monetize sites it's making sure you and build retail media orgs it's making sure that solutions that you create you know are in the right place at the right time to sort of use a a well-coined phrase for where a buyer is in that you know travel booking journey so it's about creating upper funnel you know travel industry has the capability to create amazing inspiring content you know Mm. you're not selling baked beans you're selling you know holidays of a lifetime so you there's absolutely an opportunity for retailers who get it right to sell creative solutions inspirational media channels you know looking above the line all of that is opportunity Mm. that you can inspire audiences and then you go right through to that funnel as as it's a long you know long decision process so when they hit that site you know making sure you know when they're performing a search that they've got that advertiser top of mind or that destination or that hotel and then right through to actually booking you know making sure your hotel is you know in the right place in a search results list you've got one shot at that potentially make sure it's up there and then it's gonna you know that appeals to the customer make sure it's the right targeting you know that you've got every chance of capturing that booking so it's a full funnel exercise basically yeah it's interesting we've got a podcast coming up actually with henry eccles from google and he interestingly asked him you know what categories are you seeing are the most developed and amazingly he said travel as uh, obviously as groceries but travel being the next big one and actually you think about it you know certainly all the way from sort of Thomas Cook being the original tour operator, sort of launched in 1841, having that whole brochure model, you know, that whole catalogue 
you know, model existence of many retailers originally. And so it definitely existed in travel all the way through to, to brands like Expedia Media Solutions and the brands we've created for a lot of our partners. You know, it is evolved. It is evolving and it is content rich and it's created solutions at the top and then full service media data fueled media solutions at the bottom of the funnel. It's a good one to be in. So I'm, I'm glad we're in there, but also opens up huge amounts of possibility elsewhere because all those learnings from that sector. And I think Henry said it himself. He's amazed that a lot of these retailers don't look at travel as a model to follow. But I think we are starting to see a lot more of that now, aren't we? With sort of, as I said, sort of growing that, those bigger clients and monetizing the long tail. Yeah, so definitely. And I think question for you, Stuart, really is around have that experience of building this within Thomas Cook as a travel retailer and now Blackburn 195 across multiple retailers. What are those sort of common, um, you know, problems that you realize we have to solve those kind of the barriers and the internal pressures that retailers face to kind of build out this retail media? Position? Yeah. So I think the long and short of that is. It depends what retailer it is. In an e-commerce re- retailer, you know, but they can tend to be quite nimble. In a big multinational or omnichannel retailer, let's stick with that because that's like similar to Thomas Cook. So I think the challenges there are often organisational. So actually having somebody who is going to lead that media division, publisher mindset, sales director mindset in many ways, able to sort of galvanise a team pull them together. And I think one of the things where, and then the other thing as well is senior buy-in to getting a CEO to buy-in or a COO, somebody at a very senior level to say, yes, this is happening and everyone has to get in line is quite important. And if you can get that early, and again, it comes back to that leader of the division is that they need to be able to persuade that CEO there's an opportunity here and, and garner that belief. Because once you've got that and that publisher mindset, then actually they start, that person sees the organization as audiences across touch points rather than a retailer and all that they see it as a data opportunity. They don't see the volume of sales. They see the volume of people interacting with the brand. And once you change your mindset to that, you suddenly start seeing a value that goes beyond the product sale volume into an audience value, into a value, a media value. And then you look at each of the different touch points. So I think having somebody who gets that is crucial. The challenges in there are also things like, you know, a lot of the people that are in there are, you know, they've come from within the retailer, certainly in those, those sort of high street retailers, you've got been there many, many years. And actually, they move teams and they career there, they stay there for 20 years and that sort of thing. And really, in a way, you've got to teach old dogs new tricks, you know, and actually, and there's a lot of skepticism to start with. But actually, when you get them seeing it and seeing it working, they follow, you know, they really love it and they love being part of it. But it does mean you've got to really train the skill set within those people. So organization is a natural challenge. And then especially if you're multinational as well, because you've got to then align those people, not just in one market, but in many. And actually quite a risk-free way of doing that at the beginning, because uh, Thomas Cook was, we had people in different departments doing bits of partnerships with different people. So you had different divisions sort of talking to the suppliers. Is actually the CEO, Peter Bankhauser, when I sort of said to him, look, this is what we need to do, create a central organization. And he said, okay, but do it as a virtual team to start with. So I had his buy-in to go to those people and say, we're going to set up a virtual team here. So you'll all remain where you are. So there's no risk. Your job's safe and everything else. I'm not going to change your world too much, but we are going to create a virtual team. And we did that virtual team and, you know, got everyone aligned because they knew Peter was watching. I, you know, I had that sort of remit. They got behind it. And actually, after about eight months, that virtual team became an actual team because we were proving it. And then obviously that gave us the opportunity to scale. So I think the other thing there is leads into that is there are a million people in an organization that will say no. 
a lot of the time things are decided by committee. I think even with our clients, we see, you know, sometimes 10 of them on the call, you know, and they'll all say yes. And then one will say no, and no will be the answer. And actually, I think what I've learned early on, I think I was pitching Thomas Cook about uh, boarding passes, you know, and nine people are in the room and said yes, and one person said no. And so it didn't happen or or it, it meant it delayed. And I realized early on, if I don't do this, if I don't get this done and just do it and ask for forgiveness later, then I'm going to get fired. You know, my role in here isn't going to work. So I just started doing stuff. And because the doing stuff was actually making money, then actually, you know, then I sort of got the forgiveness anyway. And then actually they started to see that what we were building was something really quite special. You know, but it does take deep thought. You're transforming a business in there that is stayed. You know, things like brochures, you know, they're emotional in a tour operator or a travel agent because, you know, they've been there forever and the store agents use them, you know, to show to customers. So suddenly to say to them, right, we're going to overhaul the brochure model and transform all the supplier funding out of that into digital channels and so we can cut the number of brochures. You know, there's a lot of people and the worst people in the organization are the silent objectors because they stop you doing things without ever saying anything. So you don't know who the problem is. So you can't go and actually speak to them and say, look, no, don't worry, this is happening. And, you know, those are the worst in an organization like that. But, you know, sensitivity around that. And there are times where I was probably a bit too bullish, I think. But again, you know, we built a hundred million US dollar turnover business in the end, which was generating 30% of the profit of the book group. And then really, then it comes down into how do you do technology? How do you do team? How do you do campaign management and getting the tools and technology to do that? And also the media solutions is making sure that you're in touch with what's going on in the market. And I I think I used to say to you just when you sort of, because I was doing that bit originally and then you took it over, was talk to everybody, find out what's going on the market, see what's happening, and then see how you can adapt that into our world as our own sort of media solution. And by talking to everybody, you get ideas. You think, oh, I could put that bit of tech together with that bit of tech. And actually, we create a really cool product, a bit like the screens and the measurement. You know, so many of those different things that we created as really cool media solutions, which we could then take to market. So I think from a transformation point of view, those feel like the sort of core areas. And, it, you know, it starts slow and then actually it gets quicker and easier because the money's there. And actually, if you've got, you can find a way of centralizing your P&L, then actually you've got control of your own budgets and you can invest where you want to. And if you've got that senior buy-in, you don't need to go through layers of people to say, oh, can I spend this? Can I spend that? Especially in a cash strap retailer where, you know, money is tight. You've got to be very careful around that. But, yeah. you know, you do get the freedom and flexibility to do it. I think we touched on that at the top around, and that comes back to how much technology that now is available to retailers to service a, a retail media org. But, you know, the reality is within a retailer, you know, you've got a procurement team, you've got stakeholders, you've got business cases, and it's actually just incredibly hard to integrate any new technology. Yeah. And obviously security and infosec, any new technology you're putting into a retailer is incredibly hard. And so you have to think very carefully around, you know, who you need to make sure you can, how are you going to get it through procurement? How are you going to onboard it? Have I got the right people to then service that? It's one of the biggest challenge, I think, for for retail media walks. But I think many retailers are accelerating in the space, obviously. It's an incredibly exciting time because people realize that they have to jump on this opportunity. Um, But just take that right approach to do it. I think you navigate their internal organization properly. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things I love about Uplift Ads, actually, is that what we've created is one piece of tech that I can put in, certainly at the beginning, and it does everything, rather than having to go and procure your own sponsored tool and then your own content tool and then your own interventory management system and all this sort of stuff. There's sort of one procurement contract, possibly two, depending on Salesforce and things like that. But it's really important that you make that process of procuring easy so that a retail media organization can get on and do it. 
Otherwise, it's still you're going back to each different department, all the different stakeholders trying to get the buy-in to get them to do it. Let's talk about that brochure model a bit, because that was obviously a huge achievement that we delivered there and actually quite groundbreaking. And it's been Google case study. It's won many awards, including the best use of data, at the performance marketing awards and things. Tell us a little bit about Hotel Everywhere and what that was and how you did that. Yeah, for sure. So we had that challenge, as you mentioned, around Thomas Cook printing brochures across, you know, nine different source markets, every source market have, achieving different contributions from hotels to be in those brochures. You know, it's a huge revenue generator of, of 18 million pounds was against those brochure contributions. Obviously, the challenge was there was no measurement against that. You know, they're not very sustainable in terms of printing costs and obviously, you know, printing a lot of paper. Customers are just using them less, you know, the business became more digital. So we needed to evolve that. How could we save passage effectively, that brochure contribution revenue into a digital solution? Um, so that was the task. The challenge, again, was around there was nine source markets to service. Every source market had a different volume of contributions, different volume of hotels contributing, as well as, you know, you've got effectively different inventory in every market. The websites weren't on the same platform. Every website had different volumes of customers and therefore in terms of ad space, ad inventory, different amount. So lots and lots of challenge. We had to try and replace what they were buying a printed, you know, a page in a brochure for something equally as, as easy to understand. So Hotel Everywhere, the concept being it was a digital multi-channel marketing platform for hotels mm. powered by the Thomas Cook data. And what they were buying, the hotels, were packages of media. And those packages of media ran across digital platforms. So it ran into sponsored hotel listings, display advertising, programmatic display, audience extension, paid social, as well as in-store digital signage. And depending on that level of investment or the package, depending on how much kind of reach and inventory you got at each channel. But it, we had to effectively make that the same package in every market, even though we had all these inventory challenges and all these, you know, volume of hotels. So we created the standardi standardization. We made it very simple. We created really good, clear collateral. You know, we also had to transform internally as, as a business, the people actually talking to those hotel suppliers, those long tail thousands of hotels around that transformation. So we had to make it super crystal clear for them. We have a printed brochure, you know, as Thomas Cook, we're moving away from the brochure, but we've got this great new digital marketing platform, Hotel Everywhere. We set those budget levels, you know, strategically just slightly higher than what they were paying for the brochure pages to make sure we could grow that revenue line as well. And then we built the technology around it just to, to basically automate that fulfillment. So from self-service portals through to um, automated ad operations and screenshotting and reporting, you know, a total end-to-end -end automated platform because there was only a team of, you know, I think around sort of eight to 10 of us across nine source markets running this whole platform, you know, to just fulfill that end-to-end. -end. So, yeah, and we went from running zero hotel campaigns to, you know, 5,000 hotel campaigns in one year. So we had to be ready for it. Um, but it was an incredible journey. And, you know, as you said, well received by the industry, um, yeah. as well as, you know, winning awards along the way. Yeah, it was incredible, really. I mean, it was nine source markets. I think we were running those across, right? Nine markets. And then with 16 different tour operators or retailers are sort of co-marketed against within the Thomas Cook group. And then seven languages or something was. So I think at any given time, we were running something like 80 or 90,000 pieces of, of creative just because it was, you know, 5,000 times markets, times channels. Yeah, amazing. But I think one of the interesting things that we did there, and I had to make sure we did, was it's a natural instinct for the business to think, right, we're already getting 
the money in the print brochures. So let's offer digital packages on top. Let's go back to hotels and offer them those on top. And I knew fundamentally that was going to fail because partly because I'd seen it sort of attempted before, but also, you know, our mission, what we were tasked to do was transform the brochures. They were unsustainable, both from a sustainability point of view and printing that amount of, of print, but unsustainable in terms of cost. Also, we found that sort of only 20% of the customers were using them, right? So actually, the mission we were given was, you know, decouple the hotel contributions from those brochures. And just offering incremental digital packages instead or over and above was never going to work. So what we actually did, if you remember, is we kept the brochures within the original packages. So we said, you're still, and we trained the guys to say, you're still going to keep your ad in the brochure. Don't worry. That's not going anywhere at the moment. But what we're going to do is we're going to give you all this extra stuff on top for free. You know, we're not going to charge you anymore. So, we, but you're going to get e-commerce sponsored listings and you're going to get display and this sort of thing. But then where you'd been very smart was deep dive the analysis on the tiering of the price of the, how much those hoteliers were spending. So that actually we'd set the tier pricing just above where the, you know, sort of 20% above where the bulk of them were in, in each tier. And as a result of that, we said the contractors, the purchasers within the business were talking to a hotel were saying, you're going to get all of this, but actually, and this is the tier you're going to get, you're going to get a bronze. But actually, look, if you only spent, you know, 20% more, you know, 200 euros, 500 euros, whatever it was, you're going to get to this tier. And actually, that's what we saw happen. So we gave them a, a tell, don't sell. So the first thing was, you don't get the option here. This is happening. You're going to get your print brochure plus all this stuff because we're a multi-channel retailer now and we're digital and data focused and that's the thing we're not just also our customers don't just use a brochure they use all of our channels i then got them then to sort of say uh, then to upsell so so oh, well by the way actually you should go up to this tier you know and they were, had some license to do some deals in there and actually it worked we basically shifted everything went out into a hotel everywhere and then they got used to that and they spent a bit well and actually we increased contributions by 20 percent, if you remember and then so those hoteliers were in that and then over time, it gave us the opportunity because we effectively decoupled it where you could reduce brochure. We just weren't reliant on brochure or, or just take it out completely. It was an amazing bit of transformation and actually a lesson to, I know that sort of Google were talking to Argos about how we'd done that at that time. So really interesting to go through that process and actually transform an emotional sort of thing within a business that, you know, that people held on to the brochures to actually, you know, emotionally change the mindset of both the supplier the purchaser and the internal sort of management in order to brace a new multi-channel digital thing. There's so many benefits from it. And ultimately, you know, the proof was that the hotels paying for higher packages were getting more bookings, more sales within Thomas Cook. So, and that's really where you know you've got a successful platform. Even now we're seeing that. So, you know, 40% of the, of the hotels in our travel piece that are using the uplift or using the platform are getting, uh, sorry, the hotels that are using it are getting 40% more bookings, right? Yeah. Than the ones that are not, which is an incredible thing for the commercial teams to go back to their suppliers and talk about. I was just going to say one of the barriers can be, oh, we, as retailers, we're getting away with these trade marketing budgets. You know, we get them and we don't have to report on much. And we don't want to overexpose too much by having to then report on digital metrics. Mm. But, you know, my argument against that is, you're going to run effective digital campaigns. You know, you're buying media that's targeted against your data, your business investing huge amounts of money in converting customers on a really effective website. You know, by creating good media solutions, those partners are going to benefit from it. So back yourself and, you know, make sure you are open about the media metrics and you talk about those and the measurements because the partners will like that and they'll see the benefit of investing um, their marketing budgets with you. I like, you know, it's career defining that stuff. And actually, it's amazing that we've taken all those learnings into Platform 195 now. And actually, you know, what we're doing now is groundbreaking again, I think, doing it across many, many retailers 
rather than just one massive one. So, look, I mean, we're getting near to the end of time. I mean, what would be really interesting maybe is probably a final question is, you know, taking all those learnings and all that stuff, incredible stuff you've done over the years and are doing now, what sort of three pieces of advice would you give retailer if they're setting up their sort of retail media organization now or trying to transform it? I think hopefully this will be a bit of a summary of our conversation, but I think there's three key things you need to understand. So one is understand your supply base. As you said, you know, you've got to understand who are your key strategic partners and what is your long tail opportunity. So Mm. once you understand that supply base, you can start to think why they want to advertise with you and what media solutions you need to create for them. And the second is understanding your organization as you went into, you know, so understand kind of who the stakeholders are, who you need to win over. What skill sets do you have within your business to service the media organization? And therefore, what skill sets do you need to, you know, go out to support with? Um, you know, you're thinking and acting like a media organization here, not as a retailer. So you might have gaps. So you really need to kind of get a view on that to be able to build a, an organization. And then the third thing you need to understand, of course, is your customers. You know, understand the data is the value of, is the value proposition of a retail media role. You know, the data on your, the customers in terms of the audiences you're able to create and target with advertising. So the first thing is around don't impact that customer experience. You know, the retailer still needs to sell products. So making sure when you design your media solutions, don't impact that experience. But look, really understanding those audience segments and how they're valuable to your supplier base and your advertisers, that is what you need to understand. Because then once you know that, you can think, well, how can I activate against those audiences? What solutions do I need? What channels do I need? What creative content will resonate with them? You know, what insight can we glean from those customers? Mm. So, yeah, three things. Understand your supplier base, your org and your customers, I would say. Great advice, I think. And for anybody out there listening, if you need more than please do come and talk to us at Platform 195. We'd love to help you on that journey, whether it's technology or commercial or whatever you might need. So only Rains to say thank you, Anthony, for coming in, doing the podcast with us. Hopefully you'll come back and join us again in six months' time. In fact, you will. It's really interesting to see how that technology has evolved. Thanks, Stuart. Yeah, it's incredibly exciting. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Anthony. Take care. Cheers. Bye. The Retail Media Moguls podcast is brought to you by Platform 195. To learn more about Platform 195 and how to connect retail media with intelligent marketing to accelerate growth, visit platform195.com. And then make sure to search for Retail Media Moguls in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at Platform 195, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.